It is good to be here this morning. What a blessing summer is upon us, and uh, and yet here we are, and we have this opportunity this morning to worship God. I do want to bring uh, your attention to some things. Some of these things are in the bulletin. Some of them are not. Um, the Kayleen McWhorter got to go home, uh, so recovering from all of her breaks, and uh, it's just good. We got to visit with her, spend some time with her, and the report is good, and she's getting healthier. She's getting better. Uh, Larry Estes, uh, you know, he, uh, another we mentioned last week, fall, broken ribs. Uh, he's in uh, Encompass, which is the St. Joe's uh, rehab over there by Blinn. Uh, and uh, he's, uh, he's going to have to come home, I think, pretty quick. Uh, he was saying something about the Medicare was going to be up until. But they've had him in the rehab. He's healing. Uh, and so we just continue to pray for, uh, for Larry, no doubt. Uh, and then Mandy Rutledge, if you're not aware of it, she had a heart attack this last week. Uh, and I don't know, I know there was a tear uh, in the heart, uh, which may have been, from what I understand, uh, an injury she sustained even as a child. But uh, as of the, my, the last I heard, uh, the, the determination was either it's going to heal on itself or that there would be something done, they would try to heal. But I do believe her spirits are good and um, she's in good hands, and so obviously need to pray for her. And then we got some really uh, tragic, uh, those of you who know, through our Still Creek family and Awana uh, family here uh, in ministry that Andrew Cook, he was a teacher out at Still Creek. And if you remember, it was a very tragic situation where his uh, son Aiden was killed uh, accidentally. Um, and... Uh, and then he, uh, Andrew, has passed away as well. I think complications due to COVID. And so uh, you may want to contact Steel Creek. And there's, you know, we're, our office will be on top of this as well. But uh, there may be some ways that we can help with that. It's pretty tragic. He was a young man, and his wife is also about to have a child. Uh, uh, she's pregnant and uh, due uh, fairly soon. So obviously need to be praying for the uh, Cook family. And, uh, you know, the Lord hears our heart and he hears our concerns. He hears our prayers. And, and so uh, we should, and I believe we are diligent in our prayers. So uh, I'd ask that you turn your attention to the handout that uh, I gave you. Uh, last week, we're really only going to cover one area this week. And this has to do, uh, the title of this message and last week's message and next week's message uh, will be the will of God, the will of God. And uh, I'm not going to really spend much time at all recapping, but I have mentioned, and I will mention this, uh, each, as we go through this series, there are two things that are inevitable. Our death is inevitable. Uh, we're reminded of that. We've been reminded of that this week. Our death is inevitable. And the scripture says it's a vapor. Our life is a vapor. And the scripture says that none of us know the day of our passing, uh, but very clearly, it is inevitable. Physically, we are going to die. The other thing that is inevitable, and it is the only other thing that is inevitable, uh, it is not only just the foundation of things that are inevitable, but anything that you might want to say, well, what about this or what about that, fall under the umbrella of the will of God. God's will is inevitable. Uh, just two verses, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus when he teaches us how to pray, he says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. And that's just one 
um, that passage out of John chapter 1, verse 13. We're not born of flesh and, and blood. Or, or We're born, you and I, are only born by the will of God. And those are just a couple of launching uh, points. And then, again, the source of every conflict you'll ever have in your life, whether you're a believer, an atheist, agnostic, doesn't matter. It just flat doesn't matter. Uh, you, you could ignore it, but there is a reality, and it is a greater reality, and it is the reality of the inevitable will of God, and that is the source of every conflict that you will ever have in your life, whether you recognize it or not, is my desire versus God's desire, my will versus God's will. That's it. And you may not recognize it, but if you, the scripture says, he who has eyes to see, let him see, who has ears to let him hear, hear. Uh, Paul would even write to the Romans that spiritual things are spiritually known. And as you begin to, to live your life with Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in the evidence of God and his will and the truth of God and his word, you begin to see that every single conflict that I have in my life, if it's in my marriage, my, anything, my relationships, friendships, church, business, anything, the source of it, that if, you get, if you're just honest, as we examine ourselves, we examine ourselves in light of Scripture, the inevitable will of God, we'll always see, okay, here's the point. Here's the source. Here's what's happening. Somebody or so, somebody is living according to their desire and their will versus God's. And usually that somebody is you and I. It's us. But it is the source of every conflict. And then so... Last week, I, I spent that message on then the desire of our heart, our desire should be to do the will of God. And, and we really looked at two different Psalms. You could go throughout scripture and, uh, and, and there it is. If my desire becomes not my will, Jesus Christ, not my will, but your will, then God is honored. Others are blessed and ultimately I'm blessed. And so, but it's difficult because we have our desire, we have our flesh versus God's desire and his spirit. So we should. So then the, this morning, I, I want to challenge you, not only from how does this happen, Ephesians chapter 2, great verse about how God equips us, God saves us and then he equips us. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is inspired by, by God, all scripture for rebuke and reproof in the training of man of righteousness and really in the will of God. And so uh, there is how... And then today, the scriptural, spiritual applications of those statements. In other words, when the Bible teaches us, when the Bible, God's word, directs us uh, or challenges us or gives us a mandate, the Bible does something else in perfect harmony, perfect harmony. It tells us the application, the how-to, the step-by-step. And so I want you to turn to Romans chapter 12 uh, in our learning process, as we, as God authors and perfects faith in us, Jesus Christ is the author and the perfecter of faith, Hebrews chapter 11. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And as Christ is, is authoring and perfecting faith in us, the, part of that process, the faith process, is I've committed in my heart, my mind, my spirit, in my body, I'm going to live according to God's will and not mine. I can't do that separate and apart from God's instruction on how to do that. I can't. 
You and I, we don't get to write that book. We don't get to determine how to live according to God's will because it's been determined for us. He has very clearly determined for him. So here's just a few. In Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, here it is, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. I'm going to read verse 2 again. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, which is good and acceptable and perfect. So if you're filling in the blanks there, uh, the scriptural, spiritual application of these statements, um, you would just put, the first thing you put is present, present, what does it say? I urge you to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. So, we have Christians all we have Christians at every different level here from very young and to some great seniors and older folks who have been Christians for many years and when you read this statement uh there's a mandate with it instruction application um there is a truth here and it really is uh, although I've put these in chronological order I would have to say, as we go through this process, this would be the starting point. If I'm going to examine myself and I'm going to say, okay, Aubrey, I, I continue to struggle with this, whatever it may be. I, I continue to, to over and over, it seems like I'm repeating the same mistakes over and over again, whatever it is, or the same bad choices, or the same whatever. And there's conflict, and there's a struggle, and What's happening here? Well, ultimately, ultimately, uh, it, there's something inevitable pl- taking place, and that is the will of God. God will, could use my struggle or my conflict to bring glory to him. And I don't know if you remember that great story in the Gospels where there's a blind man, and he's been blind since birth, and the question the religious leaders had at that time was, well, who sinned, him or his parents? So we just naturally think that. We see somebody who's down and out, and we think, you know, somebody sinned. It's the story of Job, isn't it? And Jesus replied, he said, neither, neither. This, this man and his condition uh, is so, for, there's a purpose here, and the purpose is so that God would be glorified. So sometimes our struggling and our conflict, it may not necessarily be because uh, Aubrey's doing this or Aubrey's not doing this or I'm living in uh, defiance of the will of God, but at the inevitable will of God even says my struggle, my struggle is and can be a part of the will of God. So there's that. And now in relationship to that, though, 
I'm a Christian, and if you were to go back and read just the 7th chapter and the 8th chapter of Romans, Paul very clearly talks about his struggle. He would say through the scriptures, he said, I am the chief of all sinners. I have to die to sin daily. And Romans 7, he would say in his own, the struggle that he has, why do I do the very thing I don't want to do? The good that I would do, I find that I cannot do. I find then that the principle of evil dwells within me, the one who wishes to do good. He calls himself a wretched man. And so there's that reality in our flesh, living as a Christian, this spiritual warfare that's taking place. Paul writes about spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6. And so the application, though, as a spiritual being saved by God, Jesus authoring and perfecting faith in me, this, this I am the clay, he's the potter, God working his perfect will out in my life, And then me understanding that, submitting to that, being obedient to that, walking in that, there's a step-by-step process. And the very first and really, to me, the place to start is asking yourself a question. Uh, You say, okay, I'm a Christian. I've been saved by God. I've been saved by grace through faith, that not of myself, so that I cannot boast. I I have been. God, he saved me, not on the basis of anything that I've done. He did it. I've not been born of my will. I've been born of the will of God, his sovereignty. I'm a Christian. I'm in that state. I'm struggling in my flesh. I don't want to live that way. I want to live in in unison, in Christ, living according to his will. So you do that. It's a frustrating situation, and you say, how? Well, here it is right here. Here's the beginning point, and here's the challenge, and each of us should look ourselves in the eye, Be honest with God, have a discussion with him, look in the mirror, take a spiritual assessment, and then ask ourselves, have I, am I, am I presenting my body as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is my spiritual service of worship? Have you ever asked yourself that question? I mean, seriously. Have you ever asked yourself trying to live in the flesh as a spiritually saved person of God? Romans 5, so you know, it talks about the love of God, that he poured his love into our heart through his spirit. So that's how we would be justified. That God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through his word, he, and because of his love, he poured his love into my heart through the Holy Spirit. I'm justified now, but I'm struggling. And my struggle, the source of my conflicts, is my will versus God's will, even as a Christian. And if you've been frustrated, if you've been uh, burdened by that, we have to start uh, through the ministry of the word with, with the question that demands an answer out of the scripture. It is, am I presenting, is Aubrey presenting my body as a living and a holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is my spiritual service of worship. I think that almost every struggle that we have in the flesh, um, being in the flesh, saved by God and his love and through the preaching of his word and the spirit of Christ, um, is if I can't if I if I can't answer that question according to this statement, 
I don't know that I'll ever, and I believe this. I believe that we should, everybody should assess their Christian walk and examine yourself, was what the scripture says, examine yourself daily. And and look at where you're failing. Where am I failing? Maybe my problem is my temper. It's almost always our pride. Almost always. I mean, you could just go right back into the book of Ephesians and you see the deeds of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit. But each of us, I think differently, as the scripture says, each of us is given a gift measured by Christ. Uh, We also, each of us has that burden. My burden may not be yours. and We certainly would have some in common, there's no doubt. I think pride and selfishness are the, the two big ones. And out of pride and selfishness becomes uh, a sense of all kinds of stuff. Self-justification, ownership, um, you know, I'm right, you're wrong. I'm more right than you are wrong. All the source of whatever the conflicts are that we have within ourselves and within just living our life. This is addressing Christians who are part of the body of Christ. And, and this challenge is, there's the statement, present yourself, present your body. We present ourselves every day. Frank and Carmen, they show up to Frank's country store. They get the open sign. They have just presented themselves. We're open for business. We're open for business. We present ourselves at work. And we do present ourselves first physically. We do. There's an intellectual process. And, you know, Deuteronomy 6, uh, the great, this great commandment, uh, you know, that God told you, tell the children of Israel this. First and foremost, they're supposed to love me, love God with all their heart emotionally, with all their mind intellectually, with all their soul spiritually, and with all their strength physically. And so you can't discount any of it. I don't get to be a spiritual Christian intellectually, but not physically. I don't get to be a spiritual Christian emotionally, but not intellectually. They're, they're not, we don't have that luxury. All of it connected. And so the first way we present ourselves almost always is just with our bodies physically. Just the way we get up physically, then in the intellectual process and the emotional process and hopefully a spiritual process, I'm going to go to work today. Why? Because i got to pay the bills. Well, uh, why do I need to pay my bills? Because it's a great way for me to honor God. And and this may be the only testimony that I have. Uh, Paul wrote the Colossians, whatever you do in word and deed, do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever it is, it may be somebody who is, is... work in the window at McDonald's and it may be a greeter at Walmart and it may be the CEO of a business. Everything that we do and everything that God has given us to do is the, the opportunity to present myself physically, then intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually where I make a determination. Who's going to see me today? Who's going to hear me today? Who's going who's gonna to receive something from me today? And it may not necessarily be good. If I'm not thinking in these terms about my will versus God's will and everywhere that I go and everything that I do, it's an opportunity. It's the opportunity, not a opportunity. It is the opportunity 
For some soul, some brother and sister in Christ who is struggling, someone who may be lost, somebody in great depression, somebody caught in a great sin, where you have that opportunity, my will versus God's will, and the first place I'm going to start is today I'm going to get up and I'm going to say today is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. I don't care what's going on at work. I don't care how people are acting at work. I don't care what's happening in my family. I don't care. I'm going to present myself this spiritual and this holy, this acceptable, this thing that is acceptable to God, a living and holy sacrifice, as sacrifice. You're not, and I'm, we're not called to get up. And say, I'll be good today, I'll be nice today, I'll be happy today, uh, as long as I don't have to sacrifice anything. I'll do it as long as nobody steps in my, you know, privacy, and nobody insults me, and nobody, I, you know, it's a sacrifice. And almost every problem that has ever existed between my will and God's will, uh, the offense of someone or someone else in my life, could be solved if we just said, my life, just like Christ's life, is a living and holy sacrifice. God's will, first and foremost, is to present myself physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually as a living and holy sacrifice, a holy sacrifice, a set-apart sacrifice. We have demeaned the word grace so much. We just think grace gives us the application to see and be and act and live anyway. And, then, and in fact, Paul has to deal with that with the Romans. In previous verses, he says, uh, chapters, should I continue to sin that grace may abound? May it never be. Don't you know that all of you who are baptized into Christ, something happened. You were buried. You were buried in that, and then you were resurrected up out of that water, the living water of Christ, so to speak, and you were recreated to walk in newness of life. And that newness of life is a sacrificial life. So if, if, if I want to live my life according to God's will and not my will, I, the first thing I got to do is I got to get up. I got to get up. I got to rejoice. Today is the day the Lord has made. I've got to draw near to him because he's promised as I have drawn near to him, he'll be near to me. I need to have my vision, the things that I see and the way that I see them in line of a sacrificial life, being obedient to the will of God, not seeing it. Listen, we're looking for sacrifice, but usually for somebody else. We're living a life that uh, demands instead of gives. We're living a life that is easily offended rather than encouraging. We're living a life that is disobedient rather than obedience. And so he says it, it's very clear. Present yourself. Present your body, a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God. So if it's a sacrifice, it will always be acceptable to God. If it is a living and holy sacrifice, it will always be acceptable to God. When would that not be acceptable to God? You should never, and I should never have to ask the question, would this be acceptable to God? Would it? I don't know if this would be acceptable to God. This not, if we put this in its proper perspective in relationship to the teaching of the Holy Scripture, it's very simple. I'm going to present myself as a living and holy sacrifice. I don't have to worry about it because at that point it is acceptable to God. And it is my spiritual service of worship.
You know, it's, uh, there is this word worship, and you talk about one of the playgrounds, Satan's playgrounds, as he attacks God's people, prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, and he starts with the body of Christ. Uh, if he can get us to come up with any deceptive language concerning worship, he's going to do it. Here's one. And I've said this before. I'm just going to say it again. Think about the statement that Paul just wrote about presenting your body a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And you said, so well, here's the common one. Well, I can worship God anywhere. True. Absolutely you can. But I don't have to go to church to be a Christian and worship him. It's just a lie. It's an absolute, total, 100%. John chapter 8, the language of Satan, deceptive lie. It's not true. You couldn't say it in light of this verse. You can worship him anywhere. And according to the scripture, specifically, uh, assembling together as the people of God, to bring him honor for his glory and the encouragement of the saints together as we live in a dark and broken world. It, which is first? Is, is what we do here an extension of what we'll do during the week or is what we do during the week an extension of this? And then the only other verse I want to cover this morning is verse 2. So how do I do that? It's a great statement. It's a true statement. It's a goal. You want to lose weight? Present your body to the gym. <laughs> and, and if you're doing that, it's an intellectual process. It's not just a physical one. It's an emotional process. Some would say it's a spiritual process. So I want to lose weight. I want to gain muscle. I want to feel better. I I want the inflammation to go away in my joints. I, I, you know, I want to speed up my metabolism, whatever it is. I want to look better in my clothes. Well, you got to present yourself, okay? Now, spiritually, a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. But then say, okay, so I got that. There is that. Then how? I want that. I want to present myself as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is how my spiritual service of worship manifests itself. So what's step one? Here it is. And here's the struggle. And it's the struggle that is defined by his will versus my will. And do not be conformed to this world. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard to be Christian and earthly. It's hard to be Christian, a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, my living body, and then to be an American, a Texan, a fan of something. It's hard. And 
And we don't have an excuse with this one. Because the word is conformed. Nobody is holding a gun to your head saying conform to this, whatever it is. There's so many excuses. People just have excuses. Um, I was watching a movie the other day, and there's a pivotal point in the movie where uh, uh, there's a professional football player who had he was kicked out of the NFL, and, and he was taking uh, uh, pain pills, Darvacet, different kind of, and he and he had gotten kicked out of the NFL because of gambling. And to listen to his story was fascinating. He's trying to explain to this person, high integrity person, you, you have no idea. You have no idea what it's like to go through the grind of a 16 season game, 16 game season in the NFL and the toll it takes on your body and the pressure that's on you and and so you start doing this and you start doing that and you take this drug and you do this and then the next thing you know, you, you got issues over here and you got, you know, you grew up in poverty and all of a sudden you've got money and this family is named so, and then you make some decisions because of that and everybody, and so your mind just begins to crater and, you know, and it sounded like a pretty compelling, I thought, yeah, I never really thought about that. I guess it would be that difficult. And the guy, the guy puts it in really good, he just puts it really, he, basically he says, wah. See how easy it is to be conformed to something, even conformed to an excuse, conformed to an excuse for bad behavior, being conformed to an excuse for less behavior, an excuse to being conformed to whatever my pleasure leads or my desire. Well, you know, I knew a guy one time, he said the reason that he used a lot of profanity is because... Uh, he had, he'd been a Marine, and then he'd worked for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. He, so he had conformed his language to an environment that was uh, conducive to filthy language. He was conformed to that. Now, I could just keep giving you illustration after illustration. I've thought about this all week. How easy it is for us to be conformed to whatever behavior or action that we're involved in. And so, but as a Christian... I don't have that luxury. Grace doesn't give me that luxury. There's another false. Just a, You and I will never have grace as an excuse to being conformed to worldly behavior uh, as an excuse in living under the umbrella of grace. Grace demands that you and I be conformed, not to this world, but to be transformed. Now, I'm going to finish here then, because if if I really want to live according to God's will and not mine, and the starting point is presenting myself, my body as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, and it is my spiritual service of worship, And then the very first step in not doing that, and it's the most difficult one because the the world offers our flesh a plethora of temporary pleasure and temporary lies according to temporary pleasure. And so don't be conformed to the world, but 
be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Have you ever had one of those moments in your life where you, you really were, you were living a certain way, and maybe you had just adopted that lifestyle or you just had accepted that lifestyle or you were conformed to whatever that behavior or lifestyle was. You're just living, and then you have a moment. In that moment, you say, hey, this is wrong. It may take you a whole life. I can tell you, I'm not going to get personal, but very specifically in my own life, I came to the realization recently, I said, oh, that, that's wrong, Aubrey. After years of prayer and preaching and studying God's word, I just, I, I came to, I said, no, that's wrong. And so now I'm there, and then what do I have, what, something's got to happen. A transformation. And you know how your transformations happen? Scripturally, spiritually. You renew your mind. Re renew your mind for one reason. Again, checklist. I woke up today. Today is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to, it doesn't matter how crummy people are being at work. It doesn't matter what my circumstances are. It doesn't matter. The goal for me, according to his will, is to be a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God. Going to do that. Got to help me, God. So how do I do that? Oh, that means you better examine yourself. The lifestyle you're living, are you being conformed to the world? Because if you are, you ought to know what that lady, you do know. You do know. So I don't want to do that. So I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And, and here's the litmus test. This is the way you can always know. You don't have to guess. Scripture never leaves us guessing. Here's the way you know. Check. Hmm. That you may prove that the will of God, uh, that you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, Paul would write to Philippians. He would say, he says, I'm going to tell you something. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then finally, brethren, here's the trans transforming of your mind. Whatever is true, if it's not true, you'll not transform. You'll continue to conform. Whatever is honorable, if it's not honorable, you'll continue to conform instead of transform. Whatever's right, according to God's word. Whatever's right, according to God's word. Whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, is it worthy of praise? Is your attitude and your mind and the things you're saying, are they worthy of praise? Let your mind dwell on these things. There's, there's, the, there's the connection for that. And so, again, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. It's a challenge, isn't it? We'll have a domino effect in this process as we go through this over the next few weeks. But I would challenge you with the challenge of scripture right here just park on these two verses 
this week. Spend some time. Do the harmony of Scripture. Ask yourself, and I've been repetitive here. It's worth being repetitive. Are you presenting your body as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God? Are you being conformed to the world or transformed by the renewing of your mind? Is the goal of your life, is it you want to prove what the will of God is? That which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, let me just say that with a caveat. Would you say that Jesus Christ did that every day of his life? Because there's something that you and I need to know. Would you say that Jesus Christ lived as a living and holy sacrifice who is pleasing to God? Would you say that he presented himself, his body, intellectually, spiritually, emotionally, and physically every day to do that? Would you say that? Would you say that he was accomplishing this this spiritual service of worship as he obeyed the teaching on that? Would you say that although he was tempted in all things, he did not yet sin, would you say that he was certainly not conformed to this world? Would you say that he had the spiritual mindset of the teaching of Scripture? Would you say that he proved daily what the will, the good and acceptable will of God. Would you say that? You would say yes, I believe you would. Now let me, here's the caveat. Did he have a lot of conflict in his life? Did people conspire against him? Did they lie about him? Did they try to kill and destroy him? Yeah, they did. So I'm not going to soft sell you this lesson, this teaching, this goal and this truth saying, okay, now if you do that, everybody's going to like you. You're going to be popular. Things are going to go your way because they're not. They're not. That's why the next, (laughs) because if we don't understand that the goal of my life is to honor him irregardless of what's taking place in my life, we'll never be able to accomplish his will. Jesus Christ understood it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, you know how difficult our walk is. You know how difficult our walk is. You know how difficult it is for us to want to honor you and live according to your will. And so, Father, you, we beg you, we plead with you, Father, to help us to get up daily and present ourselves in a lifestyle and a sacrifice to you that's acceptable to you. We pray that you help us not to be conformed to the world, but that you do indeed transform us in our thinking so that we can indeed prove What is the good and acceptable will, your will, Father? Help us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.